Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today we're going to do something a little different. We are bringing back one of our most favorite guests, whose name is Scott Milligan. And Scott has over 20 years of understanding the trance or altered state, has sat in well over 300 seances with three physical mediums, in addition to all of this and his own development. He teaches workshops and spends most of his time demonstrating in seance conditions and encouraging others to sit for the other world. I'm so excited that I messed up that a little bit, but bottom line is we know who Scott is. He's been on several episodes, and I'd like to say a warm welcome, Scott Milligan. Welcome back to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so, so much for having me back, Miss America. You're, you're my spiritual sister. And, um, to, you know, this talk is going to be so informal. Um, so if we mess up, we mess up together. Is that okay? It's perfect. It is perfect. Well, I get excited when I talk to you, and I'm going to see you soon, very soon. I know. I know. We're going to be spending some time together in the United Kingdom. At the moment, it's absolutely ticking down with rain. It's extremely cold. But I hear America's cold as well at the moment, it so you're, you're getting lots of snow, and that's I think right. that's coming over to our our country as well. So, um, well, I'll bring over the cold. sunshine. I'll try, but we're going to see each other at Banyan Retreat at Whispers yeah. from the Soul, and we'll talk a little bit about that before the episode ends. And there's several of our listeners that will be there to meet you and Nick and Steve. I know. I'm so looking. I'm so looking forward to seeing. You your listeners, because obviously they come and support what you do. And it's it's so nice that they are on this journey with us. Yeah. And to see them in, in the United Kingdom and say, look, guys, this, you know, you've heard our voices on the radio. This is what we're talking about. This is Banyan. And this is Nick and Stephen's house and center. And just have fun. Mm-hmm. It's Have great. fun with the mediumship. Yeah, it'll be great. And for those of us that can't join us, it's beautiful that we have these recordings that I will always share with you about my travels and what happens. So let's get with it here. Uh, this episode is des- dedicated to questions and answers. And about a week mm-hmm. or so ago, I posted on several places on Facebook, do you have a question for Scott Milligan? And something like four dozen people sent questions. So I'm just going to grab them in no particular order and see what you say. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll promise you I will try and give you my honest answer uh, as best I can, obviously. Um, I, I don't know what the questions are, so this could be quite exciting. Yeah, well, I'll pick some doozies, I'm sure. Okay, here's the first one from Le- <laughs> This is the first one from Leslie. How do you personally prepare to do mediumship work? Do you feel that it is necessary to protect yourself as part of the process? And if so, what are you protecting yourself from? Oh, that's a really good question, Leslie, because basically um, I don't necessarily believe in protection because it's your intent. So for me, as I prepare myself to work, so if I'm doing a workshop, for instance, um, it's like this morning when I woke up, I was just laying in bed just to get my thoughts together and a voice came to me and started to speak and told me um, the first steps of the workshop. So they told me, that I was to move people into power instead of keeping their eyes closed, to keep their eyes open. So that was very spontaneous. Um, when it's more of the seances, I actually feel if we are sitting at 7.30 at night, 
I actually feel my, my whole vibration starts to change that day. So throughout the day, I can feel things starting to shift. And I know from about three, four o'clock onwards, my mind is a bit all over the place. I'm not very disciplined with thoughts. Um, I do kind of sit quietly. Um, as it's an open and honest forum, um, I actually sit quietly on the toilet because that's the only quietest part of the building I could find. And I just send my thoughts to the spirit world and just ask them to draw close to me and invite them to to blend with me. But I also say to them, let's have a party. You know, whatever I can do, whatever I can surrender, please take from me what's needed. And then um, as I walk into the seance room and I'm searched, I'm just being tied down to the chair, I can still, still feel that shift. And it's like everyone in the room starts to fade away. And then as I'm tied down into the chair and as the curtain's drawn, I become very conscious of the presence of of uh, Eric or Daniel or one of the other controls. And as that spirit person starts to more move closer to me, a coldness comes from my stomach and I can feel it going uh, down my legs. And I can also feel coldness go up my back and over my head. And then that's how I start to drift off. But I talk to the spirit world, very, very normal, very natural. Um, Daniel we are a little bit more uh, open talking. So I say, you're right, mate. And you say, yes, I'm working. So I know I don't engage with him uh, as much. Or he may move close to me and I say, what's going on in your world today? And we kind of have a conversation. I I hear him as I, I'm talking like this. So, But my voice is, uh, the phraseology is different. But if it's Eric, it's completely different. It's much more respectful um it's like hello eric how are you today um what's happened in your world uh, have i done what you've asked me to do and it's things like that so in preparation i just talk to them um mediumship is natural so the more natural you make it the better results you're going to get if you stand on ceremony um obviously we do have reverence and respect with our mediumship um but if you i remember the spirit world saying to me do not wrap your words in pretty paper. It devalues the message that you wish to bring. So um, I always speak to the spirit people very plainly. Um, I never swear in front of them. Um, sometimes Daniel and I will have a little bit of, of joking and I will use some kind of swear words, but they're not really aggressive ones. They're, they're very common in the UK. Um, Especially if I'm awake during the seances and he makes me jump, I go, oh, you, you little bugger. <laughs> um, and he laughs back and, and I laugh with him. We will never say anything which is disrespectful, though. Excellent. Well, this will be question two from Terry. And I, I think it blends right in with this question. How do you know your guides' names? And I, and I don't well, know if Eric and Daniel are guides or if they're friends. So maybe you can discuss that as well. Absolutely. Now, when we are born to this world, we are born with a person that will teach us spirituality. And I believe those people are our guides. Then if you are a worker for the spirit world, you have work friends, if I can put it like that. So Daniel, Eric and Morningstar are my workers, but they're also my friends. I would never call them guides. I call them controls. I'm an old fashioned person, so I like the word control. And um, they're my friends. And they are there to work within the Austin Wish Circle and they work in sales capacity and they share their wisdom with everyone. Because they are friends, um, they can work with anyone. 
but I seem to be the main point of focus at the moment. Um, my personal control, my personal guide, who's, who's there to teach me spirituality, I'm aware of the presence and I'm aware of an oriental feeling with this communicator. I don't know the person's name, but when I have asked the spirit world for names, the spirit world said the name is not important. The message that I bring is of importance. So for me, I don't mind their name. I just, I like the message that they bring, but I call them friend. Um, I would like to know their names a bit more uh, on an intimate level, um, but until the spirit world give me that, I can't. So I just know this, this oriental person, I call him friend. Um, I have been told there's a name, and the name is Lassie Park, but I don't know that to be true. There is a communicator that has spoken in, in, in our circle about that, but I don't know. But for me, I, I would say don't necessarily listen to the name, listen to the message it brings. Because if I pose the question to you that uh, the person was a killer, for instance, and they've gone to the other world, they've experienced the, the, the quickening, they've gone to the state of familiarity, and they are starting to review their life and they want to make a difference, will you devalue the message that they bring for the life they have lived, even though they're trying to change your ways. So sometimes it's better not to know the name. And now, now I'm not saying for one minute they, they're a killer or anything like that, but you may get stuck more on the name than the message that they wish to bring. It's, it's so many times I hear, oh, my guide's Cleopatra, and you think, well, Cleopatra lived so many years ago. Surely Cleopatra would have moved on beyond that. Right. Um, so I, I kind of like... I sometimes like the secrecy of, of the guides um, and just know them as friends. You know, you'll know them, you'll, you'll feel them, you become aware of their presence. So, Excellent. Names are not important, I say. Well, I think this next question goes again on the tail of this last one. It's funny how that happens. This question is from Janet. When a friend or family member passes over and has been very cruel and nasty to you, can you refuse them to contact you or even to be near you? Well, that's a really interesting question. And I, I, I was in a seance just probably about a year ago. And um, they woke me up during the seance and they produced a voice box. So the, the voice is talking next to me. So I'm able to talk back and engage with the voice. And my control shouted out, and it was Daniel, mother, mother-in-law. I started to give out some information. And um, I can't remember fully if the, the mother-in-law said Lisa, but the person that was receiving the message was called Lisa. I'm not going to use her surname, of course, uh, because it's private. But they engaged in conversation for a, a decent period of time. And just before the voice went, because the voice was being called back, um, the lady, the recipient of the message said, I've always wanted to say something to you, but I never had the opportunity. And they said, what's that? And she said, I, 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 I hated you. Uh, and obviously that kind of language, it's, it's like a shock. And I was like, <gasps> and then the voice came back and responded straight away. So um, in that instance, they had like a kind of a healing balm during that moment. Um, but I think if someone came to talk to you, uh, you didn't really necessarily get on with, you can always say, look, I don't want to talk to you. And they will respect that. Now, 
there was a seance with Gordon Higginson with this gentleman that walked out the cabinet. He was limping as he materialized and was walking out. And this lady said, she said, you, you made my life hell. You can clear off. You can go away. And this spirit person carried on walking towards her. And she said, you, you made my life hell. I don't want anything to do. You go away. And the person, the spirit person just turned around and started to walk back into the cabinet and then obviously dematerialized. And someone said, why the hell did you, you know, react like that? If I was getting a loved one, I would like to listen. I would like to hear what they had to say. And she said, that was my husband. He was an alcoholic. I sent him off to get the food money for the week and he went to the pub instead and spent all the money. Wow. So as he came back completely drunk, he um, passed out and he had a wooden leg. So she took the wooden leg off and burnt it in the fire. Oh my. And I, and I find that really interesting because as a medium, we cannot control who's going to come through. If a medium says, I'm going to get you this person or that person, walk away. Because they may have to go through different people first. We don't know who's going to do the work until we start actually engaging with the thoughts of the spirit world. So in my advice to the question, if um, that person is there, there in, there's an intelligence there, the spirit world probably won't bring that person to you until there is a need. For instance, maybe when both of you pass and you say, right, you know, that belongs to the earth, let's, you know, let's shake hands or whatever, then there may be a need to meet one another. If not, you won't meet ever, anyone ever again of that person. Mm. Um I would, I would really like Eric to explain it better because he would put it in a much more better way. But I feel like I'm going solo with this. That's okay. <laughs> I, can feel the influence of the, I can feel the influence of the spirit world, but I don't know if I'm getting it across in the right way. Yeah, it, yeah <laughs> it's making sense. It really is. And I'm going to throw this out to listeners. Um, we've just decided, or Scott has, that you're going to visit us at the Afterlife Symposium in the United States in September. Can we mention that? I know. It, I'll go for it. Go on. It was going to be kept a secret, but I think, let, oh, why not? Go big not. or go home. That's what we say. <laughs> That's what we say. And what it looks like right now is that he'll be on stage a couple of times and one uh, bringing forth um, a speech or a whatever you want to call it, just about the mediums of the past, present, future, uh, telling stories of, um, yeah, what you know about physical mediumship. Um. Oh yeah, I've got I've got loads of stories and loads of pictures and loads of recordings of the, of many seances and, oh, and different brilliant. voices which I'd... I wish to share and also and do a, a trance address if possible. Yes, this is so the second have... time on stage. Sorry to interrupt, but speaking of oh, questions sorry. and answers, uh, uh, Scott will be on stage and his control. Eric will be speaking through him, and it will be questions and answers. So to hear. Eric's answers. Uh, we'll have the, you know, we'll gather the questions ahead of time somehow before, um, but your questions can be answered. And it is a brilliant thing to experience. Um, yeah. And I, Eric, I, I just hope Eric turns up. <laughs> well, one might think he will, <laughs> yeah. because I don't think you or I are in control of where we really end up and what we're doing. And it's all for the this other world. It. It is. So here's here's a question from Connie. Are there lower levels of the spirit world? Well, that, that's interesting. I think um, I think there's levels of acceptance. Um, when we go from this world to the spirit world, 
we are at the starting block. We have to readjust ourselves to learn how the other world cooperates and operates. So we've been told by the spirit people that when we pass from this world to the world unseen, we go to a state called the state of familiarity, which is an environment which is very similar. So it means you have a house, um, you can have fresh flowers, you can have everything that you wanted within this world. Um, and it just helps you to adjust. Some people adjust quicker and easier. And um, you learn that everything that works within the other world is by thought. And as you start to become more aware and uh, adjusted, if I can use that kind of word, then you step out into the greater world of spirit. Now, the spirit world has said we can go through a, a stage called the second death, and that's where we shed another layer excuse me, of, our, of ourselves. Like when we are here within physical form, we have to use a body, a physical body, that is emanated by the, the soul. And obviously the, the body belongs to the earth and the soul belongs to eternity. So that sort of serves its purpose and then go back to the earth. Our soul then moves into the spirit world, then readjusts itself there and it becomes much more brighter as it progresses further within the spirit world. So in answer to the questions, I think there, there are layers within the other world that takes a time for you to adjust in. Um, but the spirit people have said the densest form of vibration is the earth, is us who are breathing now. Mm. And we are spirit within incarnation, incarnated. So I believe there is a lower level and this is us. Yeah. This is where we are now, and anywhere from here is up, if you can put it like that. But I don't necessarily believe the spirit world is above us. It's all amongst us. It's around us. It just moves too fast for us to see. Beautiful answer. Ready for another question? Yes. I feel, I feel our caller has arrived now. I feel Eric is, is here. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> this next question comes from our friend Carl. Do you have mediums who are now in the spirit world that come back to communicate through you? If so, what do they talk about? Yes, we do. We, we do have, um, uh, I wouldn't say, I would call them pioneers um, who come back, and especially people who are very interested in physical mediumship. Um, a lovely lady called Maggie Han, who is um, Helen Duncan's granddaughter, came and sat with me. And prior to her visit, we had this wonderful voice which came through in uh, the voice box in the early stages. And she was able to say a few words. And we identified her to be Helen Duncan. And when Maggie came to sit, Helen came, her grandmother came and spoke to her. Um, we have had Leslie Flint, who knew my circle leader very, very well. And when he first started to speak, there was a code word that um, Bram, which was Leslie's partner, used to call Leslie and the code word was daddy and so when the voice started to manifest and started to speak to John and um, he said who are you and he said lovey it's Leslie and then he said what was your nickname and as quick as a flash out came the, the nickname daddy so um, we had that validators there has been others um, but the, the message that they bring is more of encouragement about sitting and more about how to sit and 
where they are assisting this world. When we spoke to Leslie and we said, oh, Leslie, you know, how are you getting on over there? And he said, when I, when I came over, I thought I was having a rest. But Estelle came to me and said, Leslie, we need you. And they, they conduct seances over there to attain uh, finer knowledge, you know, like the knowledge of silver birch. And then they then cascade that through uh, down to us, if I can use the word down. I, I know we were talking about layers just now, but they move it into our vibration so that we can reap the benefits of this system. So I say to all mediums, if you think when you die you're, you're going to have a rest, you're sorely going to be mistaken. <laughs> um, our work continues. And because we are able to speed up our thoughts and slow our thoughts, we will be used in the other world to attain knowledge, which is maybe outside the reach of, of muggles, like non-mediumistic folk, right. if I can put it like that, yeah. um, so that they will share the wisdom through us. Uh, very interesting, um, if I may just share this, sure. the, the spirit world said to us, there are people in your world that think it's wrong to disturb the dead. He said, equally, there are people in the spirit world who think it's wrong to disturb the living. Wow. And I find that really interesting. Yes. And that's why maybe sometimes we didn't hear from certain loved ones. But cheekily, the spirit world said, when people say it's wrong to disturb the dead, the dead started it first. Because <laughs> the dead disturbed the living. And I thought that was awesome. And that's what I love about the spirit world, that they give the philosophy and many mediums that come back and talk to us, they give philosophy. Excellent. Well, our next question. You, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, but you must try and test the spirit. Mm -hmm. Don't try and test the medium. Try and test the spirit. Because if the medium tries to prove it, they have interfered. Yes. Test the spirit world. So if the spirit is coming through and claiming to be a certain person, you can always say to them, if that's the case, friend, can you just answer this question? But don't and see what they say back. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Ready for another? Go for it. Okay. Now, this question has been posed by six different people, six different ways, but I'm going to sum it all up in the question from Kim Lan. I am just now thinking about developing my abilities, and I'm not even sure what they are. I know there are courses that are available, but I'm in no financial position to take them at this time. Does Scott have any advice for developing our own abilities? Absolutely. Sit by yourself. Now, um, if you look at, and I'm not running down any organizations at all, but if you look at all the great mediums of the past, they didn't have Stansted to go to. They didn't have Banyan to go to. They didn't have places of interest to go to. They sat at home in a home circle. And home circle is key. It doesn't cost anything. You may just want to put on a kettle at the end of it to give someone a cup of tea after the sitting. But if you haven't got people to sit for, I would sit by yourself. And what I would do is ask you, first of all, where do you feel love? Where does it resonate within your being? Where you find that, that spark of love, take your awareness to it. And then what I would do is then start to offer a thought to the spirit world and say to them, you know, I wish to, wish to get to know you. I wish to be of service. I wish to support your world. Help me. Blend with me. And just for you, simply um, extending that thought to the spirit world creates a light, and that light then gathers interest from the other world. For, you, for this person and other people to just simply ask this question, they're already starting to develop. 
So trust in it. I used to say to my circle leader, John, when he was training me in seances, I would say, oh, I, I want to go on this course. And he said, who's the tutor? And I'd say the tutor then goes, oh, that person I hear has got great ability, wonderful things. And he said, why do you want to go? And I, I used to say to him, I don't know, but I feel I must. And then he would say, then you can go. But if I then said, oh, I want to go because I want to learn this, I want to learn that. He said, no, you're not going. He said, everything you want to learn or everything you need to learn, you'll find within your seance room. Let the spirit world teach you. Saying that is going to put me out of a job because I teach. Um, but <laughs> no, the people won't. who cannot travel, the people who cannot have the funds or, or the uh, support to do so, maybe through childcare, etc. My recommendation to you is, I always have this, this saying, which has always kept me well, same time, same people, same place and harmony. And that will teach you discipline to sit for the other world. If you just sit and just reach out to them and just say, I'm yours, blend with me, they'll do the rest. Well, that's pretty easy you know, to just say that. It is. And that, then people think mediumship is complicated. It isn't. It's simple. Simple is the way forward. If you look, anyone who is developing the mediumship would know that the mediumship started to present itself to them when they were younger. And when they were younger, they didn't know how to communicate. And this is what I find interesting when I see people who have never done mediumship before and they come along to a course and then they sit and they blend, they blend really well. And then the next time they sit, they blend well, but not as good as they did the first time. And then as they blend a little bit more, it gets harder and harder and harder for them. And what you notice is that when they sat, they have no preconceived ideas, no expectations at all. They're free. But once they have that experience, they think that same experience is going to come back when it isn't. You're never going to get the same sunrise nor the same sunset. It will always be different. So um, when we were children, we're more free in thinking. We're away from logic. And it's about allowing this power to reveal itself slowly to you. I remember um, the spirit world saying that the, the gifts that you possess is like the blossoming of a flower. It must open reverently at the time it's needed. And for people just to ask that question alone, there is something stirring within them. That's good news. And flowers need patience and time to open. Oh, that lovely word, patience. I remember being at 15, 16 years old, being told patience. And it used to be like sticking needles in my eyes because I wanted it now. I wanted it to to develop because I felt the spirit world needed it. You can be an instant coffee and you'll get you have rapid development, but then as quick as you develop, you'll burn out. You've got to learn how to work with the power. When we work, it's like a reservoir being drained. Eileen Davis will tell you this. It's like a reservoir that's drained and we have to then refill it. Sometimes the spirit world dangle the carrot and show you there's potential there. And then they say, go away and work at it. That's great. Yeah, you couldn't rush a baby to grow in the womb. <laughs> it's nine months no. or about that. You can't <laughs> force it. So next question, if I may. Um, both Jill and Corinne asked questions about dreams. Jill, I'd like to know the difference between dreams and how I can tell if it's a visitation or just a dream. And then Corinne also asked, like to know if loved ones and spirits um, can tell 
you through a medium or in a dream visit what is going to happen in your future. So could you talk yes. a little bit about the dream world? Is it is it our imagination? Yeah. Is it really our loved ones? And well, can they can they tell us what's going to happen? Well, I have to say to you, when we use the imagination, when people say it's an imagination, the spirit world communicates through the doorway of imagination. They have to, because that allows us to see pictures, hear sounds, and feel things through the area of imagination, free away from logic. Now, um, when we are sleeping, we get told by the spirit world, when we sleep, we, we actually, we, we're born with two bodies. We have our physical body and we have our spiritual body. Our spiritual body is known as the etheric form or the astral body. Um, it's known by many names, but it's like the overcoat of the soul, if I can put it like that. And we have to, as mediums, use that spirit body to commune with the, the so-called dead. When we sleep, we move into that spirit body, and some people experience this by feeling themselves being lifted off bed, and sometimes people feel them being pinned to the bed. And some people say it's a terrifying experience, um, especially when you're you're like in the paralysis state, or catatonic state, and you can't move, and it feels like someone is literally resting on you, and that is your your spirit own spirit body returning, but your consciousness has just caught it. Every time we sleep, we go to the edge of the spirit world and we meet up with our loved ones. But sadly, we don't always remember it. And the spirit world have told us, thank God we don't, because if we knew how wonderful the other world was, we would find it very hard to continue our life within this world. Um, I know I strength about my father, and I knew it was my father because it was so real. I was able to smell him, I dreamt in color, and when I embraced him, I felt the fabric on his clothes. I felt everything of it. And when I woke up, I was so emotional. I knew I was touched by love. There are times where I dream about him and I do put it down to my imagination, but it's still that kind of need to know. You know, I need to need to just have that little touch, a little feeling that he's still there, being reminded of his voice. So in answer to the question, it's the emotion that you have back. When you, when you return, but the spirit world do engage with us while we're sleeping, especially as we're drifting off to sleep and as we're returning from our sleep state. Um, can they tell us what's going to happen? Well, I've, I've had prophecy through my own work and had prophecy uh, in dreams where an earthquake's going to happen or a plane was going to go missing. And I always, when I wake up, I always tell at least one person my dream because it's validation and especially when you're unfolding your gifts you do have the gift of prophecy because the spirit world will see if it's possible that you are able to receive that information so i believe anything is possible especially in the dream states it's a moment of healing it's a moment of being in the arms of the spirit i always ask the spirit world um in courses at the end of each day if we're doing a course the next day i always ask the spirit world for healing to replenish the power of what we've used, but also to continue the development while we sleep. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. Here's a question from Lori. Am I interfering with my son's spiritual development in the hereafter by needing him to be close to me? I don't want my grief and my own needs to hold him back. I still want to be a good mama to him. Well, my heart goes out. To to uh, Laurie, I you know no no mother should ever feel that pain. Um, you will not be holding your son's development back. Um, 
you will not be holding him to the earth or anything like that. It's a natural thing. And you, I guarantee the moment your son closed his eyes to this world and then woke him up in the spirit world, he was free of everything or pain. Uh, and I think what took him over was wiped away straight away. And he wants to come back to let you know that he's fine. If uh, if I can use Laurie's uh, question as an example, yes. if a person has a child that goes to the spirit world, they still continue their development. And they go to school. They get the opportunity to experience what our kids would have experienced if they lived. Um, Bianca's son, who was uh, David Thompson's ex-wife, the son passed very, very young. And in the seances, um, the father would materialize and say, B, I've got our boy. And she was able to hold her son. And through the years of us sitting with David, um, Seth used to um, materialize, but he went from baby to more of uh, like a, a little boy talking and he'd say, Mama, Mama, look what I've done at school today. And this is the knowledge that you don't read in the Bible. This is the information that a parent needs to hear, that their children are fine and well within the spirit world. And no matter how long, how long this separation is, once the mother, the father, or those who loved that child goes to the spirit world, they instantly recognize one another. And I have been told by the spirit people that if a mother has a child that passes very, very young, and they miss out that experience of having a child, they get to have that experience in the spirit world. If you're not blessed enough to have children, in the other world, there are many children that are, are, are over there who want to experience what it is like to, to have mums and dads. So you get to have that as well. Sounds like a great place. Wow. I, do you know what? I, it's, it's, it, was, it was hard when my dad came to the, went to the spirit world, but my sister passed only when she was very, very young. And a voice came to me and said, it's Emma's turn now to have your dad. And that took that, that selfishness of, oh, my God, I, I want him back, I want him back, to actually, actually, my sister could get to have him now. We had him for over 30 years in my life, and now my sister and the other world are looking after my dad and until we come over. And that took that kind of sting away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still a little bit painful, but it, it's, my sister's enjoying my dad over in the other world. Of course. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you for no that. No problem. Here's a question from Samantha. What's one lesson you have learned from the spirit world that has surprised you? Um, it surprised before I came into this movement. I believe that suicide, uh, even though the person who committed suicide was extremely brave and they did something that I could not have done myself, there has been moments that I wanted to end my life, but I never took that step. I thought that they would be impeded in their development. Since I've been working with the spirit world, I know that's not to be true. Everyone goes to the same place. Everyone is met by love. Um, Some of the voices that we have back who have taken their own lives, they they normally say that they're, first of all, extremely sorry for the pain they've caused. And some of them said, I just couldn't live here anymore. I want to be with my son or my daughter or or mum, dad, or, or so on and so forth. 
So the lesson I've learned is that everyone is met by love. Beautiful. No matter how you come over. Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, our next no questions, it's two ladies that have similar questions, so I'll read them both, And um, but they're very similar. Uh, Nicole asks, when is it divine order and when am I in control of how my life turns out? And then Gaynor's question is similar. I'm a bit confused between teachers who say we create our own reality by our thoughts and words and others who say that we planned our lives before incarnating. So are we in control or is it all a big part of a divine plan? Well, I think um, if there's what's known as cause and effect. And um, people use this word free will. And I quite cheekily, I've heard the spirit world say our will. And I believe that if we are born with a purpose, we will continue to fulfill that purpose as best as we can. Um, things happen for us for a reason. Well, I don't know what the reason is, uh, maybe through cause and effect. But um, I like to think that we do have control of our lives. We have opportunities to learn. I remember Eric saying, we don't give you lessons, we give you opportunities. And opportunities for you to see if it is possible and to view things from a different way of life. I think lessons means that you either have to graduate and you know, what would be the lesson from you failing? And what would be your punishment for failing? So I think it's opportunities. But um, I get told by the spirit world that there is potential when you are born. It's up to you if you wish to follow that potential or not. Uh, some people are more uh, uh, receptive to the, the, the possibilities like if you look at people who create computers or things which change the the way of mankind thinking i always wonder where that thought came from did it come from their own spirit or did the other world drop that thought into their mind and they just reacted on it so um it's very hard to answer that one from my personal experience that would be an excellent question for eric because eric would put it in a much more deeper and meaningful way because I'm a complete control freak. If I think I haven't got control of my life, I will act like a disobedient child and stamp <laughs> and say, actually, it's my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, next we have questions from Robin and Amy. Again, similar questions. I'd like to know why people have to suffer so much. And Amy's question is in line with that, and she's suffering physically with her health and wondering if it's no. if healing is possible. I think, um, first of all, again, my heart goes out if someone is suffering. I think the cause and effect, the course of action affects outcome, as Eric would put. I think um, many things come up in our lives that are unexplained, and you feel you're dealt with a hard card, but then it's trying to make the best of what you've got. Sometimes our body is weak um, through illness and through ailments, um, and other people are strong. Um, but healing, I, I'm a great believer in healing. I believe that anything is possible in the healing state, especially if the intent is there. Um, but also that these people can sit by themselves and go into the silence and quietness and, and speak to that power and start to do healing on themselves as well. Um, I, I've, I've said to you just before we started, um, Sandra, I don't know what happened. I said to the other world, I need help. I really need help. I'm in a, in a 
awful state, blah, blah, blah. And then within 48 hours, my whole world has changed. Is it through their will or is it my acceptance to say, actually, I surrender and I'm listening? I don't know. Again, I think that's a good question to put towards Eric. But my view on that, sometimes it just happens and it's beyond our explanation but trying to make the best out of that situation. I, if people say to me, do you think my life is planned? I would then say, why would you then choose to be murdered? Why do people be choose to be murdered or suffer or get born and have a terrible illness, which is so painful? What would be the lesson in that? And then going back, is this an opportunity to learn? Because if I knew that I was going to die of uh, or pass with a very vigorous illness, which is going to cause me so much pain, I would say, no, thank you. Don't want that one. I want to die in my bed. Thank you very much. So it's, it's hard to explain that one. I think that's outside my reach, but I think Eric would be a good person to answer that one. What I'm going to do to listeners or for listeners here is I had asked Eric that question the last time I saw you in right. November. And you very graciously gave me the a copy of the recording, and I asked the question about suffering, and Eric delivers a beautiful response. So, who you who's listening right now, if you're listening, say on YouTube, you just look in the um, description section, and I will have a link so that you can actually listen to that because it's a, just very well put, and it that, that has always been my biggest question was about suffering. So we'll include Eric's answer. So next question comes from Jordan. I would like to know if any chance schizophrenia may be mistaken with mediumship or mediumship mistaken as schizophrenia. Someone who has been diagnosed with schizophrenia may be very well a medium. Well, this this is very interesting because Colin, before he passed, he was doing a study, uh, this is Colin Fry, was doing a study with schizophrenia. And he was starting to work to see if it is uncontrolled mediumship. Now, when we've asked the spirit world about this, and apparently, and I can't quote this word for word, but they said it was a chemical imbalance within the brain. With schizophrenia, um, it could be visual, it could be audible. um, So you can have visual hallucinations or you can have uh, hearing voices asking for people to to do harm. Um, my sister works in mental health and I do ask this question and say, is it, do you think it's a form of mediumship? Um, but the way I understand it, the spirit world comes to us with love and compassion. The voices what say you must hurt this person must come from mind. So I believe it's a chemical imbalance within the brain. Um, the spirit world will always come with love and compassion there to promote life, not to end life. But I'm talking about extreme schizophrenia, mm-hmm. uh, ones where it is um, debilitating, where someone has created an act. I've looked at people with split personalities, and I find that interesting because the auric uh, field changes when they are responding to um, what we call like a, a tweak or a spike in their personality. So, again, I would like to do further studies with this, but we have to be very, very careful um where this is concerned because medicine they want to pump them for the drugs instead of giving the opportunity for us to look at them and give them forms of healing now the spirit world have said to me because i do trance healing uh if someone has schizophrenia 
I don't do I don't go into the trance state. I go into a spiritual healing mode, which is different. So I'm I'm not in the deep state. I'm very conscious of awareness around me, but it's a, more of a spiritual healing instead of the trance healing, which is a much more I'm more out of control. But then if you look back in history, many mediums were locked up. Like if you looked at Carmine Marabelli was given uh, electric shock treatment um, because he was an outstanding medium, but people thought he had split personality. So again, we need to do more studies and I think they will find studies where mediumship is concerned. But again, we need need to seek guidance from the spirit world on the way forward with this. Yes. Makes sense. Uh, Tim has the following question. Has Scott ever had the team request changes in the environment or circle? If so, what happened? I know that a team often takes great strides to ensure the safety of the medium. Does he have any experiences to, experiences to share with regard to this? Yes, I have. Um, funny enough, it, um, I was working in a spiritual church in the United Kingdom. And I was doing a seance and Darren, my circle leader and partner, was there. And we started the seance and it was very aggressive phenomena. So it was very quick, very, very quick. Uh, the drums started banging and a lady close to me uh, called Sue Farrow, who was editor of Psychic News at the time, her hand went over and touched her, her lap. And then all of a sudden, the drum was pushed away uh, from the middle of the room down to the furthest end and all the phenomena stopped. Within 10 seconds, a floodlight went on outside and it lit up the seance room. So the spirit world knew that and they asked for conditions to be and be changed. Um, I have had uh, people who've sat with me who weren't right in our home circle and the spirit world have given a guidance for it. Now, with a home circle, each circle member must understand that you're there to serve. And if the time has been and gone in your service, and you are asked to leave by the spirit people, you must shake their hands and say, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of it up to this point. Um, because maybe that the vibration has been altered, uh, and or you must start to proceed with your own development. So there have been occasions where that has happened. Scott, you're breaking up just a little bit. I just want to make oh, sure. Oh, can you hear me still? Yeah, you're walking around. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm sitting down. I'm I'm leaning over uh, the heater at the moment because it's cold. <laughs> uh-huh. No, that's all right. That's all right. Um, anyways, I appreciate your your answers, and I didn't mean to interrupt. No problem. But that that's that's the time that they um they have altars and stuff. They may give us guidance on the week or two weeks before a seance, and they may say, can you bring plasticine in so they can do the hand mold? Or they may ask for an orange so they can bite into it. At Christmas, they were asking about, because um, we get to take presents in, and we take presents in to the, the spirit people, and they may ask what the spirit people want. So Daniel always asks for his whiskey, um, even though that they're not with their physical body, but when they are in the, the seances, they're temporarily physically formed, so they can drink. But whatever is drunk goes straight back into the bloodstream of the medium. So if they were eating um, oranges, so there will be a smell of citrus. Um, so you can smell the, the breath of, of myself or medium, and there'll be no smell of orange or whiskey on my breath, even though that whiskey has been consumed by the spirit people. Uh, but we get told that beforehand. It, it sounds but, uh, like yeah. <laughs> you could wake up from a trance or being drunk if Daniel's drinking whiskey. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, Colin, Colin was the worst because I took a bottle of Stone Ginger wine in, uh, which was a big wine bottle. And Ali Carter was looking for his gin, uh, which was underneath the tree. And he went for the bigger bottle and he started drinking. And you heard him glug, 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 glug. And a voice came out of the cabinet and said, enough. And um, oh my. Charlie said, well, you know, um, he's getting drunk. And Charlie's voice started to slur. And um, at the end of the seance, um, Colin's chair was levitated, turned around and dropped as normal. And I said to Colin, are you all right there? And he went, yeah. And he was drunk. <laughs> and he said, what's happened? I said, you're, you're right. And he went, yeah. And we looked and Charlie had finished half a bottle. And it oh was just, goodness. it was so interesting because it was absorbed back into the exoplasm, back into the bloodstream. So, um, yeah, interesting. Very. All right. Our next question comes from Trish. Can we find out what our past lives were and what we need to learn in this lifetime? Well, I have to say, um, I'm going to be quite controversial in this fact is I don't necessarily um, believe in past life because I haven't had the privilege of meeting someone who could give me a satisfied answer. I used to be a believer in past lives until Eric delivered a very bitter blow in the trance state. For instance, um, I had a powerful experience where I was taken back to a battlefield where I was an oriental man and um, I had my clothes which were had straw inside um, and I went to battle and I was killed quite quickly and I felt the knife go in, I felt my life end and I came out of it and I was pretty much sobbing. Um, but then I started to realize this was my past life experience. So my ego started to tell people this story and in the trance states when Eric had a very strong control of my mind, Someone asked a question about past lives and he said it doesn't it does exist but not in the way that we accept it or how we believe it at this moment. And he gave the story of of the story I just said about the Oriental man dying on the battlefield. And he said it was so real to this boy, the one we love, through his own ego, he twisted it into his life. This is the life of Lao Tzu Pong. He is the one that is connected to him in the chair. Lousy wanted to reveal his life to him so that they could become to know one another. And unfortunately for my own ego, I said this is my past life. So sometimes when we pick up on our past life, or that we believe to be our past life, it could be the life of our friends in the other world. So for me, I don't want to dis disprove anything, but I myself, I'm still seeking. Um, some people say, oh, many mediums of the past believe in, in past lives, but they also believed in rescue circles and uh, earthbound spirits. And as time has come on, our knowledge has changed. So for me, I think it's, um, I, I, I personally would like to think it's one life because once we leave this world, we've got another world to, to become aware of. The spirit world says, your world, people leave you. In our world, people join you. And I think to have that knowledge that our loved ones will not leave us again, I'd rather stay in the spirit world, thank you. Mm -hmm. But that's just my opinion, and that is my opinion. And I'm not saying anyone, maybe it's my lesser of knowledge. But I'm open to it. Yeah, we're all in, on our 
our journeys and we'll all know when it's our time. So, mm. you know, we'll use what we share here to empower you. So Lisa asks a two-part question. One is the sing- what is the single most important message Scott has received from across the veil that gives him 100% certainty that we don't die? And then the second part is if we shed our physical bodies when we go, how can mediums see them if we no longer have our body? Ah, okay. All right. Um, my most powerful, there was two experiences. One was a lovely lad called Andy who came back and spoke to his mum and dad for about 15 minutes. That was extremely powerful. But my own personal one was uh, my sister materializing in a seance with Colin. I didn't know it was my sister at the time. Um, she came bundling over to me and said, it's, it's you, it's you, it's you. And we were like, hello. And these, these hands touched me. They were child's hands. She was about four years old. She pulled my hand forward. I just like pulled my hand forward. Her hands went around the back of my neck and she gave me a hug and I felt her dress. I felt her hair down her back. And I said, hello, who are you? She said, I'm your sister. I said, no, I've got Heidi, I've got Natalie. She goes, I'm Emma. And I was like, no, I'm sorry, I've got Heidi and I've got Natalie. And she says, I'm the one that didn't make it. And then uh, to find out from my mum that I did have a sister called Emma, um, that was extremely powerful. So that moved me from believing to knowing very quickly. Mm. Um, I think when it comes to when we shed our physical form, our etheric body is still there. So as, as a medium, we, we speed our thoughts up and we're able to see the spirit people as solid as you and I. Technical difficulty. <laughs> I was like, hello. Ah. And it's like, I have more, more, more easier communicating with the dead than I did with the living. <laughs> I was like, hello. So let's go back to the question about the ethereal, ethereal body. Yeah. So the etheric body. Um, so basically what we do as, as mediums, we speed our thoughts up and that's how we connect with the spirit while, by using our power. And sometimes it, we can see it as solid as you and I. Um, and we, we get told in the other world, no matter how, age, how old you are when you pass, you can be whatever age you wish. So if you were 89, um, but your best time of your life was when you were in the 30s, you can be, go back to that how that is. But when you um, meet people in the other world, who only knew you as an adult, you instantly recognize one another because it's love. Uh, Daniel, even though he's, he speaks as a child, he wasn't actually a child when he died. He was actually 54. Uh, but he chooses to come back as a seven and a bit and a little bit more because everyone in that room has been seven and a bit and a little bit more. Not everyone's been 54. So you have empathy with him. Oh, so he brings he, so much joy too. Oh, my gosh. Oh, He's so cheeky, but I love him for it. I love him for it because that's the whole idea that he makes people feel comfortable in the seance room. And laughter must be something to oh, hugely, energy. Hugely. Well, the spirit world says laughter is the best form of, of power. And they quite cheekily say, we look at people like you sitting in a circle and we roar with laughter. And I said, <laughs> well, in what way? And he said, because of what people say to us, is there anyone there? And we say, of course we're there. And we're talking back at you, but you choose not to listen. I remember Daniel saying to me, because I said to him, show me a sign. He said, I'm waving banners in your face and you choose not to see. You say, talk to me. I'm shouting at you and you choose not to listen. So I then say to him, how do I listen then? And he goes, be quiet. <laughs> and I was just like, 
okay. That doesn't help me. He said, no, be silent. Then you'll hear us. So I was like, okay, I, I get that. Wow. When they talk to us, could this is my question, could it sound like our own voice or would it oh, be absolutely. a voice? Okay. No, um, it depends on the degree. If, this is, if you're talking about in seances, they have to think how their voice sounds. Now, how I think my voice sounds is different to when I hear it on a tape recorder. In my head, I sound all manly and butch, but when I play it back, I sound very squeaky um, and not so manly. Um, so how I think I sound and how I actually sound are two different things. So as they step into the voice box and they try and recreate their voice, sometimes it can be a perfect match and sometimes it can be slightly off. Um, when it's in mental mediumship, when I speak to Eileen, Eileen hears accents that she can hear if they were smokers or non-smokers. She can hear how their breath was. She can hear all of that kind of um, sensation through her mediumship. Sometimes when I hear the spirit people, I hear it as my voice, but in a different tone. So Daniel's very Cockney, so I'll hear me speaking in my head, Cockney, and, and I'm born in Sussex, so it's a different accent entirely. Yes. Very good. Okay, let's, let's do one more question. I'm looking at the time, um, and then we can do maybe an invitation to Banyan or the symposium or wherever else you want to share. Would that be all right? One more question? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. This comes from Jane. If you could choose one person to work with from the spirit world, who would it be and why? Oh, goodness. I'm into trouble. I'll get into so much trouble because I'm not allowed to have favorites. Um, I would like to work with Alec Harris in the sense of his ability. I was second to none. But, and I feel really bad for saying that because it's like you, you discredit in everyone else and even my own helpers. Um, but I have a, a, an affinity with Alec, usually Alec Harris because of his service. Gordon Higginson was obviously the president of our union, saved Arthur Finley's uh, college. He was an all-round medium. I would have been in awe of seeing him. Estelle Roberts, um, one of our most powerful physical mediums who was female, all-round medium as well. There'll be so many of them. Um, I could be really cheesy and say, we'd like to work with God, because then that, that's almighty. <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, you know, that covers everyone. That's right. That's <laughs> um, right. But I, I think for me, um, I, w I would, I would like to work with the pioneers. I like, yeah. I like the idea of that um, because they've done so much for us. They, they stood when mediumship wasn't so accepted. We're so lucky today that mediumship is accepted or more openly spoken about. In Germany, we used to have to knock on doors secretly to be let into a room to go and see a medium. Mm, wow. You'll be arrested otherwise. So, yeah, so that, that's a hard one. So, um, but if I was just to say really quickly, Alec Harris, um, hopefully no one else heard that. Um, and go from there. Leslie Flint, obviously, you, you can't, you can't not rule out Leslie. Um, so yeah, is that a hard one? That's okay. And the, the book, um, Alec Harris is one of my favorites, just to hear the stories oh. by his wife of, I think, one evening, 23 people, including children and animals, materialized in red light. People could see their loved ones, hear them, 
sometimes yeah. touch them. And I just can't help but think if that happened once, what's possible in our future? And I love that you and me and the folks at Banyan and people around the world and uh, people from the symposium and so many people involved in the afterlife are really shedding some light on the reality of physical mediumship and all kinds of mediumship and yeah. are encouraging people to sit in home circle and, and things like that. I think it's a dawning of a new t- day. And I've said this to you before that we're just, we're uniting the world with every one of these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't, some of these conversations may not sit right with other people, but that's up to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's their journey. And we're on a, you know, we're on the same journey and we're going to get to the same destination. I, I remember saying to a, a person who was shouting in the street, saying, yeah, Lord Jesus Christ is here to save you, you're all sinners and all of this. And I got really angry and I walked up to this person, I rolled my sleeves up and said, how dare you speak like this? And um, they were saying, oh, you, you don't believe in God. And I said, I have a different understanding of God, not the God that you speak of, the one that will punish people if they don't listen. You know, you're holding on to a book that was written thousands of years ago by the hand of man and man is flawed. And I really went to town on it. And as a spiritualist, we can take our shoes off and walk into any temple, any church, any any synagogue and breathe in the atmosphere and don't have to shout about it. But other religions have to shout. And if a religion has to shout, then there's something wrong. Our religion, it comes to you when you need it or you go to it when you need it. And that's the difference between our religion and others, even though we encompass the same God. So, have you noticed there's so many gods in this world that will start a war, but not enough to end the war? Mm-hmm. And someone once said that there, let's see, so many different lamps, different lampshades, and different shapes and sizes, but the light remains the same. Yeah. And that's the way I like to think about religion. Mm. Anyway, Scott, what's coming up next? Where are we going to meet in just a oh, month's time? We're going to meet in Banyan. Banyan Retreat in Ashford in Kent, um, which is going to be a fabulous event. Um, it's morphing and changing every day, and um, it's a good opportunity to come and sit and be in the presence of the Spirit. And that is the Spirit that is living here and breathing, and also the Spirit in the unseen world. Um, Nick and Stephen uh, own this beautiful place, and they run it, and their service is second to none. It's so professionally run. And they genuinely have the need of the student at the heart of everything. And beyond that, they have the spirit world. And I always say that the two rooms that we use is the sun room and the star room of the star suite. And the star suite is where the seances are. And it's named after the control morning star. But it is just a place of sanctuary for the spirit world. And it's an opportunity for you to be free from the rules and regulations and to explore your gifts and whatever gifts that you hold. And hopefully through experience and inspiration that we are able to take you to the doorway and then it's up to you to then walk through. Mm, beautiful. As long as I walk this earth and even when I it's my turn to cross over, I'm going to continue attending Banyan, no doubt about yes. it. And for our listener, um, there's so many different 
retreats and workshops that you can do. But BanyanRetreat.com is the home website. And what's upcoming that I'll be at is March 29th through April 2nd, Whispers from the Soul. There's going to be lots of lectures and practice and demonstrations and two seances. And I mean, it's so much love. Oh, and for some of our international travel travelers, you know, you might think, oh my gosh, I live halfway around the world. If you need any help getting there or any advice, just email me, sandrachamplain at gmail.com. I think there's about 15 listeners that are going to meet uh, different times at the airport and take cabs and trains and things, but we can work it out if this is something that calls to you. And then also, uh, we're just planning. Scott will be at the Afterlife Symposium, which is September 14th through 16th in Scottsdale, Arizona. Now, his picture's not yet on the website, or it may be, depending on when you listen to this, um, but we are, you will be hearing him speak twice, and also, well, Eric once, and the questions and answers, and also we're looking at putting together uh, a day that we're going to call, what did you say? S- altered States, right? Yeah, Altered States. Altered States. So yes. basically what we'll be doing is um, uh, I will be leading the group into my beliefs in an altered state and giving you the opportunity to sit and experience the blending and give you some um, thoughts on how you approach the power. And hopefully that will lay a foundation for you to continue your development after I go, <laughs> be it. <laughs> Perfect. To the world or, or home. <laughs> Wherever. So if you are somebody who is coming to the Afterlife Symposium or you're looking to, um, before you book your airline ticket, you might think of coming in Wednesday or Wednesday evening. And we haven't formalized the plans for this workshop, but I say we're going to make it happen. We're powerful people. Uh, it'll be a, a day thing. And then the symposium starts on the Friday. So, Scott, yeah. any closing words? I think... Um... I would like to use the thoughts of Eric. Whenever he speaks, he says there are no answers. There are only questions that lead to greater questions. And I hope that the thoughts that I've shared with you bring you some kind of comfort. And remember, this is only my view. And if I was to place all of us in a circle and place objects in the middle of the circle, I would ask people opposite me, what do you see? And you'll see the truth from different angles. Please remember, I'm not the fountain of knowledge. I don't proclaim to know everything. Life is a journey, and it's about for you to go out there and and find your peace with the questions that you have. So um, enjoy yourself. Enjoy everything you do. If you can, please continue to support Sandra in all that she's doing with her radio show. Uh, I'm going to speak out of turn here, and I would like you to keep this on there, Miss America. Okay. Um, Sandra runs her radio station and she does it single-handedly and if you can help her in any way maybe a donation here or there it would be greatly appreciated because a little bit goes a long way and as you know that she's changed so many lives and by this audio show and it's grown so quickly and if you can help her then she can either move into a studio or she can get better equipment or whatever she needs if you can support her in whatever you do please do even if it's just talking about her on facebook or we do a just give page and get some funds in for her it would be greatly appreciated thank you for that and for our listener if you look in the description of the show i will put a link if you'd like to make a donation 
And I like also if it's just sharing this episode on Facebook, that would make a difference. And then also, I did forget to mention, if you go to scottmilligan.net, there are more than two times a year that you can (laughs) hear from Scott. He does so many different uh, workshops around and... You can just find out so much of what he's doing yeah. and even taking a course somewhere with him is just brilliant. And he's got an online shop that I've been privileged to. I own all your CDs uh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> but these messages from Eric, the questions and answers, uh, some inspiration from Morningstar hearing Daniel speak and Eric and uh they're captured. So many of these questions and answers are captured on CD and you can either buy the physical CD or for those of us around the world, we can download a digital version. So many of the questions that we did not get answered today, and I apologize if we didn't get to everybody, um, but no, Scott and I will be discussing them and possibly answering them online and Facebook or something. Um, but just know, I think there's no new question under the sun and hearing all the information on the various CDs that you have, the questions I have had in my heart get answered by listening. So that's another uh, reference that we all have. Oh, thank you. The shop's been redone at the moment, so it's been made more friendly. So again, it may be up if you're listening to it later or if you're listening to it um, just after it's released. It will be up soon. It's just making it a bit more friendly for people. Um, And just to, to let you know that the CDs don't go to benefit me it goes to building our center which we have in the united kingdom so yes i think that's that's your dinner dinner. bell that's my (laughs) dinner bell well scott thank you again to our listener thank you again and our home base is always we don't die radio.com you can find all past episodes and in closing my name is sandra champlain and i'm always so happy to be your host on we don't die radio on we don't die radio and i do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important so let scott have his dinner we thank you for listening and we'll see you soon